my cup. Think to be a decker, must to see clean far them top. Get me kings of Welcome to Kill Me Now with Judy Gold. I am your host, Judy Gold, and I am a very congested Judy Gold because I have allergies. I don't know if you can hear it. I can hear it. And there's a lot going on up there. So thank you for tuning in. And uh, we have part two of my interview with Aton Bernath, cookbook author, uh, foodie, 20-year-old, 90-year-old. I mean, it's crazy. And his book is great. So get his book. And also, if you live near Norwalk, Connecticut, the incredible Jessica Kirsten and I will be doing a show together on Thursday, June 2nd at the Wall Street Theater in Norwalk, Connecticut. It is going to be hilarious. Okay. And uh, I'll have more dates at the end of the episode. But if you are in Connecticut, get your ass there to the Wall Street Theater on June 2nd. And uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. All right, let me just tell everyone. 2015, you won Chabad's Power of Judaism Award. award, Sfios Hashem. Uh, You, in 2016, you won the Rising Star Award at Kosher Fest. And your whole approach was finding the comfort foods of other cultures, which I love because I think that's such a Jewish comfort food is so Jewy. Do you know what I mean? I think that, you know, for me, and you kind of uh, mentioned this earlier, but I think, you know, it also, um, you know, as Jewish people, I think something that I, um, try to sometimes talk about is I think that, you know, a lot of people, you know, it's so easy in our communities to like, think everyone knows about you. Like most people don't know about oh, nothing. People. Absolutely nothing. Um, and I think that, you know, it's, it's important for I think people to know, you know, like the history behind Jewish people, you know, even like I saying that I, I mean, I'm talking about crazy often, but you know, I have talked before. It's like I do not identify as white. I'm an I identify as Ashkenazi Jewish. You know, right? We're, same. We're only, we're only white, white um, passing um, here in the U.S. But I mean, um, throughout all of Jewish history, we've well, never, everywhere else, we're yeah, not, every, and you know, exactly. that race, so, yeah, master race. So I think that um, you know, and even the even the reason that we end up having white skin was because we were kicked out of. Um, the Middle East. Right. Um, and we were expelled and then had to go to Europe. And so I think that, you know, obviously as, as a Jew in America, obviously you have to be conscious, you know, of course we benefit from white privilege, we pass as white, but I mean, at the end of the day, I think that, um, and a lot of people don't realize that about Ashkenazi Jews is I think most Ashkenazi Jews do definitely do not identify as white. Right. Um, and you know, the way I say it's in the eyes of, you know, an anti-Semite or Nazi, um, you know, we're, we're not, we're not, we're not. Well, you know, and we know it because we listen to all that, you know, like I know I just had this happen to me. I was uh, doing something and one of the people I was working with, I asked, <coughs> I said, can you recommend this certain product? And the person said, oh, you'll like this one because it's less expensive. So the Jewish part, you since you're Jewish, you'll like this one. And I, I don't want to get the person fired. You know, and the person is also uh, a, a minority, but it's like it's very 
because yes, you're absolutely right. Because we don't, we don't feel like, like we, when we're around a bunch of non-Jewish people, you feel like the Jew, even though you look like them. Don't you feel like uh, we feel like other? Yeah, I mean, also, I mean, the, the ADL just released, I mean, in 2021, um, anti-Semitic incidents were up by 43 percent. Um, you know, I mean, we're less than two percent, less than two yeah. percent of the population in the U.S. We're over 60 percent of hate of religious hate, of hate crimes. crimes. Yeah. The overall majority of all religion and like ethnicity based hate crimes are against Jews. Right. Um, and I think that that's the thing that I try to talk about on my socials. And because, you know, I think a lot of people just literally don't know that they don't know. They don't they, know. And I think that it's, you know, kind of in terms of the food to circle back to that, I think, you know, for me, like throughout all of Jewish history, you know, um, the our cuisine and the food that Jews eat is so vast. Right. Um, because, you know, our traditions have been like we've always been a moving people. You right. Know? Right. Um, and so, you know, a lot of the recipes that like I grew up eating and my grandma cooked and my grandparents cooked were like, you know, from like Hungary, which is where my dad's side of the family's oh, from. Oh, that's where we're from. That's oh, where really? I'm from. We need like a, we need a Jew. Uh, I know. Air, air That's so funny. I was looking at your features and I was like, oh, he sort of looks like that from my, yeah, Hungary, baby. We're, we're the best looking, by the way. <laughs> Go ahead. Thank you. Um, but yeah, and I think that that's definitely also definitely an element of, you know, I think would definitely influence me to be interested in food and learning about food from around the world. Um, so I think it's also a cool thing about, you know, being Jewish. It's kind of this weird mix of like, um, a religion, but that's also very much a, a culture. A race. It, yeah, it, and a race. Sort of yeah. a race, you know, um, it, it, because we're one of like the oldest civilizations, you know, like it, in all different parts of the world, there, there's there's Jews, but it's in a different way because they're, they're, we're like literally related down a, a rabbit know. hole. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I think it's very cool. You know, when I was talking about Indian cuisine at, at the time, I was younger, I had like a pen pal friend in, 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 in Mumbai who is like an Indian Jew. There's Mexican Jews, Italian Jews. And so I think that, you know, the Jewish experience throughout world history has been almost nomadic in a sense that like we were always kicked out. Um, obviously we had Israel and everything, but like for most of Jews have always been kind of wandering. Right, around right. we've been wandering and we had to make out. do. We had to make do with wherever we, wa- we were yeah. using the kosher laws, yeah. you know, and we did it. You know, Eitan... I have always, and I pitched this to the Food Network, I have always wanted to do a, 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 a cooking show, host a cooking show of Shabbat dinners all around the world. Oh, that'd be fascinating. Yeah, like in India, Mexico. Yeah, and, and just to go there and learn about. So um, do not steal that from me, but I know you have a production company and... That's all I have to say. Um, Wouldn't that be great, though, to to see how they all. All right. Anyway, through high school, you're getting all this attention. Does it get better in school? I mean, you're very you 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 must have been so busy. And now you, you, you know, you're in you're at Columbia, right? You part time you go to Columbia. I'm currently enrolled. Uh, okay, uh, we won't go into that, but you got into Columbia. Oh my God, you're in an Ivy League school. Okay. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, growing up um, in school, I was definitely um, very preoccupied. 
Mm-hmm. Um, in, you know, in between classes, free periods, at lunch, I was on my computer working. Um, I've always been very focused on my career. You know, people are like, oh, like, you're so lucky this happened so quickly. And I'm like, oh, my oh, God, luck, nothing happens quickly. Nothing happened. I mean, I've, I've been working on this since I was 11. Um, and so, you know, for me, especially in high school, my school was very accommodating. I, um, took just the graduation requirements, um, and I was given about half the day every day. Um, wow. did you do that at school? Did they put you in a room or yeah? Um, I mean, just a library. I was, I was very locked in. Um, I wasn't crazy social during high school, um, at least during the day. And so I, I had an adjusted schedule to help me accommodate, uh, I mean, at the time it was already lucrative and I was already right. You're already clear yeah. that this was my career. Um, but I mean, at the same time, I kept my, my, my studies up. Um, you know, I got into like all the colleges I applied to. Um, I ended up choosing Columbia. Um, I'm in a specialized program where you can do it part-time. Yeah. Um, it happens to be, I've now deferred for two years. Um, and I'm trying to see if hopefully I can make it work. Um, Wait, I'll home. be your grandmother. Okay. Ready? I'm ready. Aton. You got into an <laughs> Ivy League school. You're 20 years old. So you go to college for four years. It's not like the food is going anywhere. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think, you know, for my parents, you know, especially, you know, growing up in the Jewish community, you know, obviously education is very important. You know, I think, I mean, we were just talking about this, but I think saying, you know, that's so, so prevalent, I think, in the Jewish community is right. More- People very much still have the Holocaust mentality. You know, you have to get an education so you can make money, be ready for absolutely anything. Um, And I think that, you know, while obviously like it's not even close to comparison to, you know, people that parents were in the Holocaust and the the children of Holocaust survivors, I think just in the community, there's still the sense of like, you need to get an education. You need to be able to, no matter what happens, work whatever country. Well, right. And you have to be the smartest, the most prepared, you know, we have to overcome. We have to be better than everyone else. Um, yeah. And so I think, you know, of course, you know, my parents think to the perfect balance of being 100% supportive of my career and, you know, enabling me to really pursue this while still making sure I kept up my grades. So, you know, I am enrolled in Columbia, but, you know, I it's kind of the, the cliche of like, I told my parents, like, I want a year um, after high school to focus on my career. You know, uh, most of the kids in my school, like 95% spend a year studying in Israel and yeshiva. Right. Um, and so it was kind of in line anyways with what everyone did. So I took a year off um, and it was kind of the opposite of what usually happens in the cliche where the person fails and has to go to college. Right. Um, you know, during that year, my career really um, exploded. But you know what, Aton? you know, you got to also realize that we were in a pandemic. So for a lot of people, they left college, you know, it, it wasn't the experience that they thought it was going to be, of course. But I mean, I hate to say this, but there it's everywhere you look. It's like, do you really need a college education at this point? And the other thing is, it's so expensive. Do, do you think your parents were ever worried about you in high school? Like, oh, my God, he's not doing what the other should he have a little bit of normalcy? Do you think they ever uh, did they ever express concern that you were too focused on? this food thing? That's a good question. I mean, there are definitely obviously moments, you know, before big tests when maybe I was, you know, just like cooking all night long and trying right. to recipes. But I think in general, um, my parents just really instilled in me that like you can and should pursue this hundred percent, but you got to keep school up. Um, right. So 
I mean, obviously, you know, there's a lot of pressure. I really credit my parents with, you know, allowing me to pursue this at such a young age. You know, the overall majority of people around me, my parents, highly discouraged. Um, of course. Discouraged um, what I was doing, you know. Um, and it's and, all about them, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, most most people around my parents and I highly discouraged it. But, you know, it's I think that you know, as it grew. And, you know, I think over that course of the year that I took off, um, you know, I had been earning money since I was younger, right. but um, in that year it became um, quite lucrative to the point where I was able to then fully support myself. Um, and, you know, kind of at that point, um, and then once I hired a whole team, you know, I currently have, um, besides for myself, six, yeah, six full-time. That's amazing. Um, um, employees at Atom Productions. And so, you know, it's obviously clear um, that this is a lucrative and a smart career, um, but I'm definitely trying to still, I mean, I enjoy learning. I love learning. Um, and so for me, I think I'm really trying to make a class or two at Columbia work because I'd love to have the opportunity to learn. Right. Um, but in terms of kind of a normal kid life, I mean, I definitely gave up on it, you know, during the summer. Oh, yeah. You sacrificed a lot. Yeah, during my during every single summer while all my friends were at sleepaway camp for two months, I was home developing recipes, running my food, right. block, doing all those things. So I think that, you know, I made a lot of sacrifice. You know, on Sundays, a lot of Sundays when my friends were all doing things, I was home shooting recipes for my blog and stuff. And I but you never felt you never felt you were missing out on anything. Right. No, I, I've always I've I think. It sounds like cliche saying this now, because obviously, you know, with hindsight, everything is 2020, but like, I really believed in what I was doing. And so right. I, I definitely never thought it would happen this quickly and that I'd be doing this and yet where I am now at 20. Um, but I really did believe, you know, when my parents asked me like, what was motivating me or what I was doing, like, I was like, I'm going to one day become a famous chef. Yes. Um, and so I really believed in it. And to me, all those years, it was worth the sacrifices I was making. <clears throat> Um, because there wasn't a doubt in my mind that this would happen. Now, I probably thought this happened when I was like in my late 20s, early 30s. Um, but I've always been really motivated. And for me, it wasn't an, it wasn't a right. it was just when. Um, and so I think, you know, just throughout middle school and high school and after, like, I really always really believed in this. Hey, everyone, you know, one of my favorite things in life, if not my most favorite thing in life, which, yeah, it's arguably my most favorite thing in life besides my kids, and is food and eating. Eating is my favorite activity. And eating is better and easier with Factor. Factor, I'm telling you, I tried their stuff. It is delicious. It is great it is high quality, and they are, when I say ready to eat meals, they're ready to eat in two minutes. They're not frozen. They're never frozen. They're chef-crafted, dietitian approved and literally, you heat them for two minutes. Every week, you have over 35 options to choose from. They have Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, Keto, I Just Did Chef's Choice, 60 or more add-ons that you can stay fueled up. They had these juice shots that were incredible. These are restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat when you are ready to eat. That's it. And they're really good. Elisa loved them too. There's no prep. There's no mess. I've tried a lot of these different kinds of meals. Factor is amazing and so 
convenient. It's so great to get home from a long day of like schlepping around and knowing you have this delicious meal waiting for you in the refrigerator that takes two minutes to heat up. And you can pause, you can reschedule your deliveries at any time. It is a great solution for those nights and days that you're looking for fast, great, delicious options with no cooking required. Okay? And Factor is less expensive than takeout. So what are you going to do? Because I'm telling you, you have to believe me, I never lie, Factor is amazing. You're going to head to Factor Meals, F-A-C-T-O-R-M-E-A-L-S, dot com slash Judy Gold 50, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50, five zero, okay? Judy Gold 50. And use code J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50, Judy Gold 50, to get 50% off. That's code Judy Gold 50 at factormeals.com slash Judy Gold 50 and get 50% off. It's worth it. You're welcome. So you not only cook, you interned with a professional food photographer. This I love. You said, uh, I read that you you love sweet foods. Yes. And now you're loving savory foods. So yeah, your palate is changing. It's yeah, maturing. I've always, I've always yes. had more of a sweet tooth. Um, but I definitely, as I've gotten older, my sweet, I still have a sweet tooth. But like, I, I do think I like savory food even more. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, it, one of the cool things and something that I really enjoy about having now done my career for so long, even to 20 is like, I've really grown up, um, in the public eye and saying that was nice to think about that'll be Yeah. Like, that's so right. That's so true. Yeah. Is, you know, one day when I have like grandkids, like they'll be able to literally like kind of watch me, right. grow, which is really, really weird to think about, but also exciting. You know, it's so funny. Cause if there was no social media, like there was none when I was growing up. I don't know if you would continue. You might say, let me put this all on hold and I'll get back to it after college. But because of social media, you know, you're like a social media success story. And I have a love hate relationship with social media. OK, <laughs> love s'mores. I do. Actually, my team surprised me when I um, I for my birthday, I went to Puerto Rico with a few friends. And oh, I hate you. <laughs> you know, yeah. like Puerto Rico. Yeah. No, I want to go. I'm jealous. Uh, Um, and when I got back to the office, uh, my team surprised me with actually the giant s'mores, which was really fun. Um, you, how can you hate bananas? Like, how can you hate? They're so good. There's something genetically wrong with me. What about plantains? Sweet plantains. Yeah. Anything in the banana family. It's this thing. I understand that I'm the problem. It's an, it's an Aton problem. It's not a banana right. problem. Like the whole world agrees that we like this thing called bananas and I'm over here just. Right. Wrong. You have worked with Guy Fieri, Rachel, who I love. Don't you love Rachel Ray? Yeah. She's the best. What other, you know, famous chefs have you worked with? Yeah, I've been I've been really fortunate to, you know, meet a lot of my idols, um, both in the culinary space and not. Right. Um, you know, Guy Fieri, um, who's really he's really kind of who inspired me to start cooking and who really inspired me. Also yeah. To, like cooking is cool, um, which I think, you know, just being a. Well, I know he's he, such a bro. Yeah. You know, it's um, like you think it's, you know, I grew up with Julia Child, you know, and that was I also you know who else I love? I love. The Barefoot Contessa. I love her. I love her. 
Um, Ina Garten. She's a social media icon. She, um, she's so great. And I love her relationship with her husband. You know, talk about someone in my age group who has taken to social media. She's just the greatest. What do you, what did you learn from, you know, Guy and Rachel? I mean, you, 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 I've, I read that you call yourself more of an entertainer than a chef. And I think though that Rachel and and Guy are the same thing. What have you learned from them? You know, because you sort of created this whole world, and now you're out. You know, you've you've made yourself out in the world. What did you learn about being an entertainer? You know, slash. Yeah, I think I think you know, growing up, Guy really got me excited about food. You know, I'd watch him on TV, and I would I would be I would be like. I, you know, I've always been very obsessed. I'd watch him make something on TV and then I'd like to ask him, like, to in the supermarket. Like, I want right. to make this. And so I think with Guy, he really, like, inspired me in a way that I really aspire now to do for other people. You know, that level of excitement that Guy was right. able to, to, you know, light the fire within me um, is very much what I aspire to do um, for the people that watch my videos. And... So I think, you know, I really learned from Guy, you know, the the immense joy that can come out of, you know, being excited about food and exciting about cooking. I think for so many people cooking is such a chore, like, oh, I don't want to have to do it. It's annoying. And then you have to Oh, I food. love it. I love it so much. Same. But, you know, I think for me with Guy, I really learned, you know, that like you could really make cooking fun and like cooking is cool. Cooking is something to be excited about. Um, and I think just in general, you know, that a lot of people have a narrow mind of what careers there are in cooking. You know, if my parents had a dollar for every time someone told them that I'm just going to own a restaurant or become a caterer and fail, um, they'd have a lot of dollars. Um, (laughs) And I think that, you know, Guy and people like Rachel and all them, you know, really show that like there are these careers in food beyond just what's traditional and, you know, the whole world of food media and food entertainment. Um, And I think that that's really the key for me. You know, I realized at a young age, that's okay. Like I really want to work in food. I don't think of restaurants for me, but I love performing. And so I think for me, when I, you know, my goal really is at the end of the day, obviously I want to teach people about food. Teach people right, about right, food, right. I would say a lot of my content is, is just enter is mostly honestly entertainment focused. My goal is to get people excited about food. You know, obviously I have certain content that's geared towards people actually cooking like right. the book. Um, but I also have a lot of content that's just about like, all right, let's just get you excited about things related to the kitchen and cooking. You know, when I was reading about you and you talked about how you would taste something at, a, at either out or wherever, and you say, I want to recreate that. Yes. So when you would recreate it, was that you creating your own recipe? And you say you have a bad memory, but do you remember what things taste like? Yeah, I think, I mean, I, everyone you know, who's close to me always knows that my memory is absolutely terrible. Um, I literally like rely on Google calendar and my email. Right, But don't, don't you remember tastes? You like, I mean, you have to, yeah. Weirdly a part of my brain that, that it sounds like I make this up. It's really true. Oh, a part the part of my brain that has the best memory is food. Right. Um, you know, like a lot of times, like if something's happening, like something happened to me, someone asked me about it. Like I'll remember weirdly that the food I was eating or like that, but I won't remember some of the other details. Um, but yeah, I think with food, that's like an area of my brain that like, really, I, I like can remember a lot more. Um, and so I think with me, like food is just something that gets me very excited. And I think, you know, when I, when I, those stories, how I developed those recipes, you know, I would like, like you said, go to a restaurant, 
order a dish, try like, oh my God, I need to make this. I then go home. Right. But it's so funny because you can't have that thing there with you. And then the thing you made and go, okay, now I need this. You know what I mean? So it is all memory. It's all sense memory. Yeah. And I think also research is part. I've always loved doing research. You know, I'd I'd try the food. I'd go home. I'd watch like 30 YouTube videos of watching people make it. I then say like, okay, I saw most people did this. Some people did this. It looked better people did this. Then I'd kind of like take all this knowledge I learned and then go into like Google Docs, kind of draft out a recipe. I think will work based on everything I just learned, test it, try again. Um, and yeah, I think there's a lot of research is always, always you know, um, I used to do a bit in my act about how Jew, how all I think about is food and it's, you know, and a lot of Jews are like that. And, you know, I I don't, I'll go to an event. I don't even remember the event. I just remember what I ate at the event. And and I had this bit about like, oh my God, wasn't that a beautiful eulogy? Uh, I don't remember, but the chopped liver at the Shiva, you know, (laughs) and it's true. It's so makes me so happy. It's it's incredible. Um, you are the culinary principal culinary contributor. Yes, principal culinary contributor of the Drew Barrymore show. First of all, I love Drew Barrymore. Second of all, do you know Jason Kurtz, my friend? Yes, I do know Jason. Okay, I, I'm going to tell you a Jason Kurtz story. We he was an intern at the Rosie O'Donnell show before you were born. He was the greatest and we would be off all summer. I was, I was a producer on the Rosie show and we would be off all summer. And he came to Provincetown to be our nanny one summer. He is the best cook. Good to know. Yeah. To ask him about his frittatas. Anyway, he's, isn't he the greatest? He's such a, the greatest guy, but anyway, uh, and now he's executive producer of the show. Oh my God. Was that, were you freaking out when you got that job? Yeah. Um, you know, I started just as a one appearance on the show. Right. Um, and Drew and I just really kind of quickly She's had so a great, great connection. Um, and, you know, we became friends off camera also. Um, and so uh, the show then came to me with um, the offer for this role. And, you know, I think honestly, a lot of because like just like generationally, um, I don't think I initially realized how famous Drew is. Oh, um, my God. So, because I was becoming friends with her, and so I'd be talking to people like close, like other friends of mine, and I would just happen to mention things about her, and people would always like give me a weird look and freak out. And then eventually, one of my friends said, "She's like, Ethan, I don't think you realize quite how famous Drew is." Right. Um, And I mean, I obviously knew who Drew Barrymore was, um, but yeah, but that's how you know your your friendship is genuine too. No, I, it is funny. I, I I haven't even had an opportunity to ever. I I haven't even mentioned that story. I think I've mentioned it maybe once to her, but like I didn't really realize when I started like Drew Barrymore, right? Um, and so it was funny because it was like I had become friends with this person, and then I realized like whoa, um, and it was kind of funny that was the opposite. Honestly, I wouldn't yeah. have wanted it any other way because you know for yeah, me, that's definitely the better. Like she's just Drew. Um, and you know, I'm really, really grateful for the opportunity. I was the first TikToker variety reported that I was the first TikToker. Um, even though I don't use that word so much to describe myself, but I did grow a lot on TikTok, um, to land a reoccurring daytime television role. And so I mean, it's amazing. Um, I hope you sit back and go and pat yourself on the back. I hope you take a minute every day to be like, wow, thank you. I'm so lucky. 
Yes. Even no, I, though I, really I know you've worked really hard, but you have to re- you have to take the time to enjoy it. Thank you. Yeah, no, I definitely I'm really grateful. I know that I'm incredibly privileged to be where I am. And I, I am just like it, always shocked at that this is my life. And your parents must be like felling. Yes, that, that is the correct word. <laughs> you are also, as we mentioned, Takuna alum, Healing the World, which is the basic tenet of Judaism, even though everyone hates us. Um, you are on the City Harvest Food Council. Is that correct? Yes. You're, you're part of another organization as well that gives through food. By the way, everyone has to get this fucking book it's so good. And I love the way you write. And I love that it's, I mean, I kind of love that even people who are kosher can make all of these recipes. Um, yes, every recipe in the tanks world is kosher. And I think that um, I'm really excited for kosher cooks um, that are going to get a tanks world. I think there's also a lot of recipes um, for kosher cooks specifically that really kind of push them out of their comfort zone. Right. Um, and I'm really excited for that. Right. Because we're getting too bland. Also, in the Jewish religion, is this, I have heard, it's it's preferable that you're a vegetarian. Is that correct? Because if you're a vegetarian, that's kosher, correct? Yeah, uh, by some people's interpretation, yeah. Yeah, so, and and that would be, it would be more preferable to be vegetarian than it would be to, is that correct or no? I mean, I happen to eat a lot. I, I, I'm, I'm not vegetarian, but I happen to eat vegetarian a lot of the week. Right. Um, I'm just not like the biggest meat eater on earth. Um, but I mean, Eight Tanks World has tons of vegan recipes, vegetarian, tons of meat recipes, um, right. fish, everything, dairy. Um, so there's honestly a little bit for everyone. I love meat. I'm sorry. I love it. I'm sorry. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I don't like steak though, for some reason. You are almost fluid in Hebrew. Almost. Oh, almost in a big way. Yeah. Well, let me tell you something. My son is going to play basketball in the Maccabi games this summer. Mm -hmm. And he's like so mad he didn't pay attention in Hebrew school. Uh, (laughs) But he's now taking Hebrew in college for next year. So that's great. Um, You know, as someone who's 59 years old, I I worry so much about the future um, for my children. But you it's people like you who give me hope. So. I love, I just think you're just extraordinary and your parents and your grandpa, they did such a good job. Um, tell Yoni, he has to call me when he gets, um, when he feels like shit about himself, um, which he never should. I ask my podcast guests two questions. Okay. Number one, I'm very pro mental health. Uh, yeah. what do you do for your mental health? Incredible question. I am very pro mental health as well. I think that Good. mental health care should be just as important as physical oh health. Oh my care. God, you're not kidding. I just, it's so annoying, isn't it, it? It it doesn't. I mean, to me, I think there's no like if just like if you hurt your foot, you go seek right. help. And you're right. not embarrassed if you hurt your foot. There's no reason to be. Like, I know it's help. so that um, exactly. Same I so I have a therapist. I think everyone should have a therapist. To same. I mean, obviously, at least here in the U.S., um, unfortunately, um, not everyone can. And it's a bit of a privilege right. to have a therapist. But I think that everyone should have access um, to a therapist. I think that, um, you know, for me, you know, I think something that's so important is a lot of people think if they go to a therapist, like you need 
you need a problem and that there's something wrong with you. Um, but to be totally honest, like when I meet people and they, I, they don't have the, if, and they're like either. I am the same way. I'm oh like, my God. I, am so, I, you? I told one, one of my friends, if you don't start going to therapy, I can't talk to you anymore. It's like, how do you process all? And especially you, you're so inundated with stuff and people, you know, it's really important to break everything down. Um, do, do, are your parents supportive with that as well? Yeah, no, my parents do support. No, I mean, I started therapy after my grandfather passed from COVID. Um, I started with a grief therapist um, and, you know, obviously spent a lot of months dealing with that. Right. Uh, but then, you know, after I got to a point in my grief where I was, it was very manageable, um, I took a short break from therapy just because I very much associated it with grief and I needed a kind of a right. Right. I have to, I have one thing I have to deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, I started therapy again and I think that you know, the important thing, you know, so I have my therapy, every Monday I have a mental health Monday night. Um, I, I finish work at six. Um, and then I have my therapist from six, to seven, I work out from seven to eight. And then I go out to dinner by myself every single Monday night. Oh, I love that. And That's I think it's so, so important. Great. Yeah. I think, I think you just have to be your own best friend. You know, I think that um, whether it's with our phones or and everything in life, you know, there's, there's so few times during the, the week that, you know, at least for me that I have like time to just be by Do myself. Do you ever take a social media break? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not, not great. Not like cold Turkey always. Cause it's, it's, I run a company. I mean, I run a company. Right. I have to pay a lot of salaries and stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's very important, um, to take breaks, um, you know, I think many years of my life, I was working constantly, constantly, constantly. And so I've been getting better at taking vacation, right. which is important for mental health. But, you know, I think just in general, like making sure that it's a priority. I think that, you know, I, I, I live a very privileged life and a very exciting, exciting life, but also I have stresses that most, right, most kids your age don't have. Most yeah. 19 year olds are now 20. Yeah. Don't do it. You know, I, um, employ six full-time people. I'm the CEO of a company. I, um, manage quite a large business. Right, you have a lot of responsibility. I have a lot of responsibility. And you know, that comes with a lot of stress. And so I think, you know, for me, therapy is super important. I think that I like, you know, and I think if you don't have access to therapy, you know, have a person that you talk to that you right. talk, you know, I and think there's, that, there's free, there's lines, there's, you know, phone numbers you can call for help. Do you remember life without a phone? No. Wow. My baby photos are all on like film pictures. Oh my God. You're, I feel so old right now. <laughs> we used to have to like bring the film to the store and then wait a week to see our photos. I, yeah, I don't remember it, but th those photos were taken for me. Okay. Whatever. I can't with you. Okay. Here's my other question. I ask everyone, uh, you know, the podcast called kill me now because about a hundred times a day, I say kill me now. Cause I can't stand like, I, Things I, I am my mother's daughter and everything pisses me off. Like I can't, I don't, my mother used to be like, Judith, why are you getting your blood pressure up so much? And, and so what makes you really, really angry? It could be anything. Like what pisses you off the most? That's a good question. Not to be annoying, but I happen to be known as someone who doesn't get angry. Oh God, um, I can't. <laughs> but something um, has to piss you off. What? Mm, that's a good question. Like, um, oh, actually, this is a good one. Um, right, good. Like you said, you're your, 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 your mother's daughter. Um, I moved out um, when I was 18. 
And I think a lot of the things that my parents would get annoyed at me about, I now get annoyed at people about. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, one thing is like, um, my dad's always crazy about turning off the lights in the house when someone's not in the room. Right. And I always get so annoyed because like, I'd be like in my room and I'd walk somewhere and I'd forget to turn the light off. And I'd say, Ethan, you turn off the light. Like, you know, I, I am it. so with your father on this. It's so yeah. annoying. Yeah. And I'd be like, I'd be like, dad, it's fine. It's just a light. But now that I. Right. Keep my own home. Um, I'm incessant about lights. I also, my parents throughout when I was much younger, cause I was picky, would always yell at me to eat. Cause I would never eat. Um, but I was like a very little kid. And now when I cook for people, I always, I, I am the most annoying person to be at a meal with. Because oh, right. Cause you're like, eat. eat. I'm like, eat. I cook this food. Right. <laughs> like whenever I have friends over for the weekend, um, and I cook them all food. Like actually I had friends over for a Shabbat a few, uh, weeks ago and I cooked them this whole meal Thursday night. I spent the whole night cooking. And then Friday, a few hours before we're going to eat, like two hours before we're going to eat, one of them goes, can I make a, ma- a, a baked potato? I was like, no, you could starve. What the fuck? That is, no, that's not, I would be pissed off at that too. No. Yeah. Wait, what do you do when you've cooked an entire meal and your friend is like, oh, um, I stopped eating blank or I'm now vegan. It's, I find that so fucking annoying. It's like, Figure it out. I'm not making special food for you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean I then I end up telling it anyway. But they need whatever. to tell you before. I mean, I right. my mom is my mom's can't eat gluten. Um, so I grew up with making lots of terrible. But yeah, especially as Sabrina, a I feel yeah. so bad. So she can't have challah? No. Oh, Sabrina, I'm so sorry. Can your father have challah? Yes. Okay, thank God, Jason. Um, oh, that's awful. Yeah, so I mean, I think to me, it's just like, tell me before. Like, you come to the meal and you're like, oh, I don't actually eat this. Uh, you have my phone number. Please just tell me beforehand. Well, just so you know, when you have children and you're walking out of the house, just remember every fucking light will be on in the house. Oh, I have every light before- in my apartment on a Google Home. Oh, I got to do that. Oh, no. Yeah, watch this. Here. Watch this. Okay, Google. Turn off the lights in Noah's room. Sorry, I don't know how to help. Of course, it doesn't work around the world. Oh, he's an asshole. (laughs) Oh, my God. You're living the life of, I mean, you work your ass off. I'm not saying, but you are just, you should pinch yourself every day. Yes, thank you. I'm so proud of you. Can I meet you in person, please? Yes, uh, I would would love to. What part of the city are you in? Well, I just want to say that a lot. Okay, ready? Before we go, I want you to guess. I'm going to give you hints of what part of the city I'm in. Let I'm going to call it Little Israel. Go. Brooklyn? No! It's in Manhattan. Upper East Side. Okay. You are really bad. The Jewiest place in Manhattan. No, 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 no. I don't know. I knew. Upper Um, West Side. Oh, yeah, that's where my parents met. I should have known that. Oh, they did. I'm telling you, every restaurant around here is kosher and five times as much money as every other restaurant. (laughs) I can't take it. If you ever want to become anti-Semitic, go to Kosher Marketplace on a Friday (laughs) at one o'clock in the afternoon. Okay? (laughs) Yeah, that was a dumb answer on my end. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, you got to get the Jew. You know everything about uh, the world except for where the Jews live in Manhattan. Okay. (laughs) 
Aton, thank you so much. I wish you all the success. Thank I'm you. I'm jealous of your parents for all the nachas. Um, and we have to get together in person and be Jewish together. And eat yes, and- let let's be Jewish together in person. Uh, I am very excited for that. Uh, we will we'll make that happen. And everyone, please get Aton eats the world. It's such a great book. And I'm first of all this sweet and smoky guac burger. It's I mean, a good one. I know, and with the pineapple, like I love that. I want to make the garlic naan. So these spreads. Oh, and making your own. I love that your um your grandfather made locks. Yes. So amazing. So it's such a great book. I'm so thank you. Yeah, uh, Eight Times World's available everywhere. Books are sold. Um, Eighttimesworld.com is all the details. Um, but every anywhere that you buy books, you can find Eight Times the World. And this book, I have to say about the, the all the recipes in here, they are comfort food, and it's good for single people who love to cook. But it's also it's such a family cookbook because yes. you don't you. This is food for every age, pretty much. That's the goal. Um, Thank you. But you're the best. You're the best. I Thank wish you, you so all- much. This was so much fun. I need to get myself a Jew bell. That that I need to get one. Oh my God. I you know, for guests like you, I have to do this, like for you know, because otherwise I would just be <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to part two of my interview with Aton Bernath on Kill Me Now with Judy Gold. Kill Me Now is produced by Laura Vogel. It is edited by Colin Schmeling. And everything else for this podcast and in my life, besides the interviewing, is done by Brittany Jo Sowards. So thank you, Brittany Jo Sowards. Who is going to be getting married soon. One more week till uh, Brittany Jo Sowards is off the market. She's off the market now, anyway. So happy nuptials to her, upcoming nuptials. As I mentioned before, if you are in Norwalk, Connecticut or near Norwalk, Connecticut, this Thursday, June 2nd, I will be at the Wall Street Theater with Jessica Kirsten. I will be hosting Out Montclair, Out Montclair Pride Festival in Montclair, New Jersey on June 11th. I'll also be performing in Provincetown at the Art House all summer long. I'll be at the Mansion in Sarasota, uh, Sarasota. What the fuck am I talking about? Saratoga. Saratoga Springs. Saratoga, New York on August 18. That's a really fun show. Outdoors. Great. And uh, City Winery in Philly on September 17th. There's other dates, but, you know, I don't want to inundate you. Um, I also want to thank you so much for listening to this week's Kill Me Now. I am still reeling from the sadness that we have to live with in this country because people love their guns and their second amendment rights more than they value, I guess, children. So we got to do something because it's, um, it's heart wrenching and it's heartbreaking. So I don't even know. There's no words. I mean, there's no thoughts. There's no prayers that can end this only, only, um, you know, our, our, our representatives can maybe change the laws, but I don't want to end on a sad note, but I am ending on a sad note. I'm thinking about all those young souls, the teachers that, you know, gun violence is something that we don't need to have. And I 
I just, I wish it was gone. I wish it was gone. But um, I know you all feel the same way. And I'm congested, so it's even worse. But um, thank you. Thank you. I don't know who's listening right now. Whoever it is, I love you. Come over. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, it just keeps getting worse. Don't you feel like that? It just keeps getting worse and worse. And I just, uh, it's not the country I grew up in. It really isn't. Anyway, so I hope you're all safe and well. I hope that, you know, we can make some changes because it's just unacceptable. And I would be more irate if I wasn't so congested, but, you know, you know how that goes. Uh, But thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Follow me on Twitter, Insta, TikTok, at Judy Gold, J-E-W-D-Y-G-O-L-D. Go to my website, JudyGold.com. Do whatever you have to do. Get my book. Uh, Subscribe and leave a fucking review. Thank you. Five stars. And thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening. And as we always say, so long. (laughs)